Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, we are in the middle of a series through the book of Romans called Foundation. And it is a, a series I've been really excited about since we launched and I'm excited about tonight's message. I'm sure you're wondering, why are there tents on the stage? What's going on? Well, you're going to find out. Um, but the, the series uh, through the, it, the foundation is a series through the book of Romans that lays out the history-making, life-shaping good news of Jesus that forms a foundation for all of our lives and then tells us how to live on that foundation in every aspect, in every area of our lives. So that's what we're looking at as we go through this semester. And uh, tonight is a really, really important passage as we come to chapter 4 of Romans. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. I'm going to be going there in just a minute. But before we do that, let me share a story. Um, one, one of the places I've noticed in our culture where it seems to be still socially acceptable to discriminate is the airport. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but uh, when you go to the airport, <clears throat> they tend to rank you according to how important you are to them. You guys notice this? And uh, based on how important you are to them, they will actually give you a, uh, uh, maybe name you after a precious medal, like you are a silver medallion member. Or if you're actually even more important, they'll name you a, a more precious medal. They'll name you a, a gold medallion member. And if you're even more important, you will become a platinum medallion. And for the most important, you're not, you're not a precious medal. You're a precious jewel. You are a diamond medallion member. And, and they make no bones about it. They're like, all the important people will give you a name. And, you know, the rest of you will just, anyways, we're, we'll let you on the plane later. But, um... <clears throat> But they give them special privileges, too. They don't just give you special names. They give you special privileges. Like, they have these, like, I don't know if you guys notice them, but in the large airports, they have, like, these lounges with frosted glass that you, you know, you ever wonder what goes on on the other side of the frosted glass? Like, they just disappear behind the frosted glass, and you're like, I don't know, do they, like, get out their big medallions and shine them, you know, like, oh, you're a silver medallion. Well, look at my diamond medallion. <laughs> like, what do they do back there? Do they, they serve them food? Do they take naps? Do they get feet rubs? You know, I don't know. Foot rubs, feet rubs? I don't know if that's plural or singular. But anyways, well, what do they do back there, right? And then when it's time to, to board, they're like, uh, we're now boarding all of our precious metals and precious jewels, and would you come forward? And I don't know, some airlines, they actually have a, a separate walkway that only they can use it. You know what I'm talking about, Nahor? You know, yeah. And they, and they, and, and they, got, they got red carpet for them, and the rest is just like normal carpet, but for them, they have red carpet. So they walk on their red carpet, and they get on, and, and when you get on behind them, they're sitting in their big thrones, you know, and you're like, excuse me, I'll be pass in just one second. So you get, you get to the back of the, you know, the plane, you sit in your middle seat. And anyways, they, 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 they pull the, the sheet so you can't see what happens up there to all the precious metals and precious jewels while you fly because you'd feel really bad about what you're not getting. And anyways, I was flying within the past year. And when I bought my ticket, okay, what do you need to know? I'm a little bit of a tightwad, so just so you know, like I, 
I'm a little bit of Taiwan. And, and so uh, I buy the cheapest ticket, right? And so the cheapest ticket on this day um, was an economy, ba- or no, basic economy. And I'm like, I don't care what they call it. It's a cheap ticket. I'm on the flight. It's going to be okay, right? Well, little did I know that on my boarding pass, it'd say basic economy. And then what apparently happens when you're part of the basic economy is you get on the plane last. And so um, I was group nine. And I couldn't believe what the lady said. She's like, and now boarding group nine, all of our basic travelers. (laughs) I'm like, can you say that? Did she just call me a basic traveler? Like, do you have to shame me on my way back to, yes, I know my, there's no overhead luggage space left. I know that. But do you have to call me basic on the way? And I don't know if you know, if you, if you uh, fly very often, go ahead and go to the next slide. They actually, once a month, I just got this this last week. They send me this of showing me how close I am to becoming a precious metal. <laughs> Not very close, right? I, I mean, this is hot off the press. This was last week, and, and so, or I guess a week and a half ago now. Okay, all right. Um, and so I, I just need 17,000 more miles, and I can become a precious metal. Um, I need to spend about 2,700 more dollars by the end of the year, because if I don't, then I go back to the beginning, do not pass, collect, go, you know, go collect $200, and I have to do it all over again. And you may say, okay, Pete, what does that have to do with anything? And, and the question is this, is this the way we view the Christian life? That, you know, that there are people in the kingdom that if you perform really well, really well you become a precious metal. And that it, as you perform well, then you're going to have access to God, you're going to see God do stuff in your life. But if you're not performing well, you may get an email saying, sorry Pete, but you have been downgraded. I saw you did not read your Bible on Tuesday, you're really room to, rude to your roommate on Wednesday, and we just want to let you know you are now a basic traveler. You are no longer in the kingdom of God, a, a, a gold medallion member in the kingdom. Or on the inverse side, it could actually work the other way. You just finished your read the Bible through in a year plan. And you're like, yeah, baby, I'm a gold medallion member now. I read through that whole Bible. And somehow you think because you, you, you did this thing really well that now you have a new status in God's kingdom. And, and, and now you have new privileges to those who've done those things. And what we're going to see is, is that that's not the way the kingdom of God works at all. And you probably don't say it out loud, but probably internally you've had moments where you've wondered, is that the way his kingdom works? And what we're going to find out in Romans chapter 4, and this is why I love our passage tonight, is because he says that's not the way the kingdom is at all. In fact, that's a whole different foundation that you're living on when you buy into that. And so if you're not turned there, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 4. And what we're going to be looking at, let me give you a little bit of the context of Romans again. I, I did this last week, but just quickly. Um, there is tension in the church in Rome. Um, I said this last week, many people call Rome, uh, Romans Paul's theological treatise. It's, I, I, I would beg to differ. It's, it's not. It's a pastoral letter to a real church, have real issues that precipitated this letter. And he's laying out the gospel to deal with the real issues. Okay, so here's what's going on. There's tensions. Because five years previously... The Roman emperor Claudius had kicked out all the Jewish people out of Rome. And in that time, the church became very, very Gentile. 
And as they became very, very Gentile, when, the, when Claudius died and the Jewish people came back in, now the Jewish people who used to be the head of the church are now dealing, um, c- coming back in and the Gentile leaders of the church are, are trying to figure out like what does it mean with our different backgrounds for us to be one people of God? And, and some questions come to the surface and the questions are this, like, as a Jewish person, do I have some special status in God's kingdom because like, from my family came the lineage that ushered in the Messiah, right? Like, so is there some special status for me? And then secondly, like, how do I relate to the Jewish traditions? Like, if I'm a Gentile, do I need to do some of these Jewish traditions that were kind of the Torah observances of their day that, that, that were laid out? And do, do I need to adhere to those? And here's what was going on. It seemed to be that the Jewish believers had a sense as they came in. These are followers of Jesus, okay? That maybe they had a special status, like they were the gold medallion members of the kingdom because of how they continue to observe Torah. And so let me tell you, throughout the New Testament, and you're going to see this in a few different books, there are really three things that were often the issue. Number one is circumcision, because they were circumcised, and mainly the Gentiles weren't. Secondly was their their kosher law. So they had a different menu and they were eating on this menu. And so they were observing the kosher laws. And third, were, were, they had a special calendar, all their religious observances. And so here's what you need to understand. For hundreds and hundreds of years, that's how you knew who the Jewish people were. They were circumcised and they ate differently and they observed certain days and those were identity markers. And so they're like, we are doing those things. And so, yes, we love Jesus and he died for our sins and that's how we, we are, are saved. But, our, but we have a, a special status because we also do these other things. Well, is that true? Were the Jewish believers the gold medallion members of the kingdom of God and the Gentiles were just basic passengers in the kingdom? And Paul is building this foundation to answer the question because it has everything to do with how we live. Okay, so chapter 3 ends with Paul asking this question, verse 27. Okay, actually, before I read this, let me just say this. So what is that? What's going on here is this. Paul's not just answering the question, how does one enter the kingdom of God? He's answering this question, how does one maintain right standing in the kingdom of God? It's not just about the entrance requirements, it's about the maintenance requirements, okay? And this is very important because it has to deal with how we view the nature of the Christian life. Okay, now back to uh, verse 27, chapter 3. Here is... So Paul's just laid out the gospel. We're all sinners. We're all in need of a savior. And praise be to God, Jesus came and he forgave us of our sins because of his work on the cross. And then Paul says this, where then is boasting? It is excluded. In other words, Paul says this, if everyone is saved by grace, then no one has anything to boast about. He said, there's no boasting. So Jewish people, there's no boasting. Gentiles, there's no boasting. No one has any room to boast because we're all saved the same way by the grace of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so to prove his point, he says this is nothing new. In chapter four, he's gonna start to lay out. Remember, he's showing how we're all saved the same way. He said this is nothing new. Chapter four, verse one. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, 
discovered in this matter. So he goes to Abraham, because this was the very beginning of the Jewish people, like Father Abraham. That's a, he's like, this is the way it's always been. And he says this, verse two. If in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And what Paul is saying is this. If you go back all the way to the very, very beginning of when Abraham was declared righteous, why was he declared righteous? Here's what happened. One night he's laying in his tent. God tells him, get out of the tent. I want you to look at the stars. He gets out of the tent. He looks at the stars. Here's what you need to know. He was an old man. His wife was an old woman. She was postmenopausal, right? She, she was barren. And he says, I want you to look at the stars. He looks at the stars. He's like, whoa. And God said, so shall your offspring be. It says that Abram believed God. Okay, it's an old man with a barren wife who's postmenopausal who says, God, I place my trust in you that you can fulfill this impossible promise because he said, God, I trust you. It was declared to him that he was declared righteous. It was credited to him as righteousness. So that is what Paul's saying. It goes all the way back to, to uh, chapter 15 of Genesis. And then it says this, what does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteous. And then verse four, now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. Okay, stop there for a second. One of the key words in this chapter is credited. What does it mean to have something credited to you? By the way, he says, if you work for it, it's not credited to you as a gift. It's an obligation. Like how many people have had a job? Anybody here have had a job? On payday, did you go give your, your boss a great big hug? Thank you so much for my paycheck. Thank, thank you. No, you didn't. Why? Because you worked for that money. That was an obligation. Right? But when you're credited something as a gift, it means that you didn't work for it. Okay, so somebody transfers some Venmo money to you, right? Some money over Venmo. Hey, hey 10 bucks. You're like, that's then credited to your account. It's a commerce term. Or imagine this. One of those precious metals decides to drop a million miles into your frequent flyer account. Thunk. Now you're a lifetime member of the Precious Metal Club, right? You get behind the frosted glass. You get all the privileges. No one can take the privileges away. Those are your privileges. What was that? It was credited to your account as a gift. And what Paul is saying is that when you place your faith in Jesus, it is credited to you as righteousness, that it is imputed into your life, the righteousness of Christ, as a gift. And then... Verse five, by the way, this verse we're about to read, some people say is the most radical verse of the Bible. Listen to this verse. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to them as righteousness. Okay, well, let's look at this verse. However, first of all, to the one who does not work but trusts God. You know, so much in our lives we are taught that you're rewarded for your work, right? I mean, think about how did you get into UVA? Or how did you graduate high school? Or whatever the case, because you worked hard, right? You worked hard, and so you were rewarded for your work. Any athletes out there? 
Here, what, what happens? If you, if you play a sport, you, you, you practice really hard, you put in all the, all the hard work, and then if you win, you're rewarded because you were the best. And what does it say to the one who does not work? God does what? But trust God who justifies the ungodly. Faith is credited to, their right, to them as righteousness. In other words, this isn't something you work for. Secondly, the second half is really radical too. Go ahead to the next slide. Look at this. If you were to describe God, how would you describe him? Who trusts, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly? I mean, that's a radical statement. Who justifies the ungodly? I mean, here's the thing. God didn't look at you. He didn't, he didn't look at me and say, Pete, wow, he's a pretty good guy. I, you know, I, I see what he's doing. I think I'll go ahead and justify him. No, that's not what God says. What does God say? God says, Pete, look at him. What a sinner. But he's placing his trust in me through Christ. And so I'm going to declare him as righteous and impute righteousness to to his life. Okay. Let's keep reading. Let's hop over to verse 9. What Paul's getting ready to do, and bear with me because I'm going to bring this all to a head in just a second. Paul's now going to move into those things that we tend to put our trust in very, very specifically. In other words, these things that we think give us some special status with God. And he's going to deal with what I would call plus factors. Because here's the equation of the gospel. The equation of the gospel is simply this. The equation of the gospel is Jesus plus nothing equals righteousness. It's coming up right here. Jesus plus nothing equals righteousness. That is the equation of the gospel. That what Jesus has done, you placing your faith in him, making him your king, which means your loyalty is now to him because you trust your king... With every aspect of your life, you are declared righteous. But, as we said, one of the big ways that people thought they could get special standing was through circumcision. And here's the the problem. When you change that equation and you add Jesus plus anything else equals righteous, so it could be like Jesus plus circumcision equals really righteous. Here's the problem with that. What happens when you do that is now... You diminish the work of Christ because you're saying you can be more righteous than what he made you. And then secondly, what you do is you put all of your attention on the plus factor because Jesus is the constant in the equation, right? Like Jesus is the the constant. Your performance is the variable. And so you're always focused not on what Jesus has done, but how you're doing. And so Paul is going to deal with the potential plus factor. So, um, Look at at verse 9. He says this. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying um, that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. In verse 11, and he received circumcision as a sign and seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. Okay, so he's saying, Paul's saying this, Paul was declared righteous before he was circumcised. All the circumcision was was a confirmation 
as a sign and seal of his trust in God. Okay, why is that important? Because he was declared righteous about 10 to 15 years before he was ever circumcised. And so Paul's saying his righteousness couldn't be determined, couldn't be contingent on his performance of circumcision. Now, was it an outflow of his faith? Yes. But it wasn't the, or was it an outflow of his righteousness? Yes. But it wasn't the basis of his righteousness. His basis of his righteousness was his faith in Christ. Does that make sense? Are you guys following me with this? Okay. And so he says, it, so it can't be by circumcision. So go ahead and um, put up the, the first point. Verse 12. And it is he, or I'm sorry, and he is then also the father of the circumcised, not only our, cir- our circumcised, I'm sorry, I'm going to need to read this again. My eyes are going, okay, sorry. Verse, I should have brought my old man glasses. Okay. And he is then also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised but are also, also follow the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Okay, there's a lot of circumcision going on there. So you need to talk to Paul about that someday. But anyways, what he's saying is this. They, the Jews are circumcised but they are saved the same way by faith who fo- follow in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Here's the point. The point is, it is by faith from beginning to end. You don't just start your walk with Jesus by faith. You end your walk with Jesus by faith. Have you guys ever heard the song Amazing Grace? How does that song go? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound to save the wretch like me, right? And it, then it, there's, there's this line that um, grace has brought me safe thus far. And does it say, and works shall lead me home? What does it say? And grace shall lead me home. We don't fit, we start by grace, we end by grace, it is by grace from beginning to end. In other words, Jesus doesn't just give you a good start when you trust him, and then it's, then you better grind it out. No. It starts by grace, and it ends by grace. And then Paul just keeps on in verse 13, and it is, and It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be an heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. And then Paul summarizes this way. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing. And here is what, so Paul is basically saying is that there are two ways that you can try to relate to God. You can either try to relate to God based on the law or you can try to relate to God, or you can, no, I shouldn't say try, you can relate to God based on faith in Christ and his grace. Martin Luther put it this way, that faith in Christ, to relate to God based on faith, is to throw yourself on God. When you relate to God based on faith, you are throwing yourself on God. You're saying, he is my savior. He is my justifier. Those who relate to God based on law say, I will be the one who saves myself. It's to throw yourself on yourself. I will be my savior and I will be my justifier. Um, I have two tents up here. And let me briefly explain these tents. And these two tents basically represent the two different ways we can approach salvation. This is the gospel tent. And so when we come to the gospel tent, this is the, the tent that said it's by what Jesus did that I will dwell in, in, 
and enter into God's kingdom through what Jesus did, through his finished work on the cross. I am accepted and I am loved because of the work of Jesus, not because of my work. And so this is how you enter into God's kingdom. So this is the the kingdom tent. Then this is the law tent. And the law tent says, just keep trying. If If you'll work really hard, maybe God will love you. God will accept you. And so this is depending on yourself. If you'll just, if you're a little tired, just keep trying because you're almost there, okay? In fact, if I were to put a sign over each of the tents, um, the gospel tent, the, the sign would be, it is finished, okay? So you enter in and it's, and it's declared that the work of Christ is sufficient for you and that it is finished. You are righteous in Christ. The law tent, however, has a different message over the door. It is, you are almost there. Just keep working. You got a gold medallion status just right around the corner. Don't give up quite yet. Can't you read more? Can't you do more? Come on, you can do it. You're almost there. And these two approaches form vastly different people. Here's the thing. Almost everybody knows you enter here, but then we try to sneak over to this tent and relate to God based on the law. Like we think we start over here and then we end up living here. And and what Paul says, no, from first to last, from beginning to end, it's this tent. It's, It's resting in the finished work of Jesus. But these form two vastly different people. Let let me talk a little bit about uh, the different postures each have. If you are in this tent, the gospel tent, living on a gospel foundation that understands that it is finished by the finished work of Jesus, this will make you profoundly humble. I mean, what do you have to be proud about? As Paul said, is there any boasting? No, that's excluded. And so you are profoundly humble because you know the only reason why you are a follower or or that you are saved and declared righteous is is because of the finished work of Jesus. And so this makes you profoundly humble. So there's nothing to boast about. How can you consider yourself better? No, you're humble. However, you're also confident because you know it's about what, Christ has done for you. He is your king and his work on your behalf. So over here is humility, the posture of humility. Over here, when you're in the, the law tent and you're uh, doing well, say you got your list that you're kind of, you know, trying to, trying to do to earn God's love, like, you know, m- make him not just love you, but like you, right? And you're doing well on your list, it will make you pro profoundly proud you'll be proud you'll be very self-righteous and what that what does that make you very judgmental of others so you're proud of yourself you're doing really well make you very self-righteous it'll also make you feel like God's a bit indebted to you because you're really doing really well with your list and so if everything in your life isn't going how you would hope, you'll get bitter because you're like, that's part of the deal. I'm doing my part. I'm working really hard and you need to be doing part of your, your part because you don't understand that everything you have is by grace. You think you're earning it. And so as a result, you, you become self-righteous, you become very proud, and, and frankly, you can become bitter. What happens whenever you're not doing your list well and you're relating to God based on a list? Here's what happens. You fall into despair. You fall into self-loathing. 
How could God ever love me? How could God ever accept me? How could I ever be a child of God? Because I can't believe, and, and, you, and you start to look at your, as you recognize your sin, you are profound, you're, you're crushed by it because you're relating to God based on how you performed yesterday or the day before. And so the posture here is either you're really proud and self-righteous or you're crushed by your sin because you believe that God couldn't love you because of your sin. And over here, does, does your life change? Absolutely, your life changed. Jesus is your king. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we'll, just, we'll get there. Chapter six, we'll talk about it. You're dead to sin and you're alive to God. It changes everything. But it'll, that's the outflow. That's not the basis of your relationship with God. Are you following me? It's the, it's the outflow. The basis is always by God's grace through faith, the work of Jesus. So what is the experience in each tent? What's the experience of the gospel tent? Well, in this tent, there's a lot of gratitude <laughs> because you know it is all by grace. You didn't earn it. So you're humble and you're grateful. Humble and grateful. You're full of joy because you don't have to earn it. You don't have to try to grind it out. You, you can rest in the grace of God. You can be like, I can't believe that in Christ I'm declared righteous. And you can live out of the goodness of that. And so over here, there's joy, there's life, there's love, there's gratitude. You, you're motivated out of gratitude and living for God's glory. And over here, when you, when you live out of the, the tent of legalism or the tent of, of law, to use Paul's term, you're fearful, you're anxious. Am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Does God love me based on what I'm, you know, um, am I performing well enough? And you always have that sense, you're almost there, you've almost made it, just come on. If you can just, and so you get tired, you get weary, you get anxious, you're either really proud or you're self-loathing, you're ping-ponging all around. Are you guys following me with this? And so there's, these are vastly different ways to view relating to God. Um. Over here, you're like, I hope my, if I can just raise my spiritual GPA, then uh, I'll, I'll get a high enough GPA and God will love me and accept me. But you're kind of scared, you know, that at the end of the semester, you're going to bring home some C pluses and the Heavenly Father's going, mm, you got to do better than that. Okay, I'm, I'm, and what do you do when you feel like you, you're not doing well? You just double down to try to do more, Right? Have some reviews of these tents. You want to go ahead and put up the reviews, Josh? Here, here's a review from Amazon. What was, what was the gospel tent? I was thankful and humble. There was joy, freedom, rest, life. Want to stay and never leave? Okay, that's what in Christ alone says. Um, all right, here's what the hardworking man says. I was proud, self-righteous, or in despair, continually striving, anxious, and fearful. Do not stay in this tent. No life. No life in that tent. That, that's reviews that you can look them up, but um, <laughs> you guys get the point. In the gospel tent, there's grace and rest and love and confidence 
and acceptance and thankfulness and humility and joy. All by faith in Christ Jesus that, as it says at the beginning of Romans and end of Romans, that leads to obedience. That's the outflow, but the basis is faith. And then under the law, it's striving, self-righteousness, entitlement, pride, insecurity, anxiety, and fear. So Paul is writing to these Christians. He's not writing to non-Christians. He's writing to Christians. And he says, you don't just start here, you end here. And he said, but, but I'm, what I'm hearing is you started here and you move, you're moving your way over to this tent and you're starting to, to act like you're relating to God based on, on, on law. You, what are you, what's your fascination over here? Come over here. It's about the finished work of Jesus. And so I have a question for you. Are you trying to relate to God based on works? based on law. Do you have a tendency to creep over to the law to, and therefore miss the joy and the wonder of the grace of God? Here's the thing. If you evaluate yourself and have any other conclusion other than what Jesus has done for you and your trust and obedience and submission of like, I'm trusting in Jesus and I'm throwing myself on what God has done. If you If you have a different conclusion, then that is not a gospel foundation. And Paul's saying, come to the gospel foundation and live from there. It's like over here, they're they're frolicking in the waters of grace and, you know, maybe riding some waves of grace. Over here, they're trudging through the waters of law and getting pounded by the waves of law, one after another after another, and they don't know if they can take more. Do you have a tendency to relate to God on law? Or do you relate to God on the work of Christ on your behalf? Will it change your life? Oh yeah, it'll change your life. You will live differently. There is, I mean, Paul will not, will not make any ifs, ands, or buts about that, but it will never be the basis. The basis will always be not your performance, but what Jesus has done. And you may think, but I'm too flawed. <laughs> Can I remind you of verse 5? Go ahead and put it back up there, Josh. Here, let me remind you one more time of verse 5. Here's what verse 5 says. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. There's no one here whose sin is too deep Placing your faith in Christ and the work of Christ on your behalf can't purify you and make you righteous. And so even if you say, well, you don't know. God knows and he justifies the ungodly when the ungodly turn to him, make Jesus their king and place their trust in their new king. He declares them righteous. It's credited to them as righteous. I'm going to call the worship team to come forward. And I'm going to end with this. Many of us have fell into some mentality 
that somehow there's gold medallion members in God's kingdom and then there's basic travelers. And I want to encourage you to set deep into your soul that here's what you have, that in Christ, my tent is moving, that in Christ, he makes you a gold medallion. You don't just start by grace and then, and then somehow achieve a new status by your works. No, you're going to get, you as a child of God, as a son or daughter of the king, you get the highest status, because, not because of how well you do a list, but because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, as we close, I pray that you would open our hearts to the radical nature of grace. The grace that when it's preached, the question comes up, as will come up later, well, what, what, what do we do to, with this? Should we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How can he who's dead to sin continue any longer in it? But grace that's so radical that we are that is a bit disorienting to recognize that we could never add to what you have given us in Christ that our confidence would be in nothing other than what Christ has done on our behalf that we would live with hearts of humility with hearts of gratitude your glory. So tonight, Lord, would you help us to stand on the foundation of the gospel and the gospel alone, that is through faith in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing. Lord, as we go through this week, I pray that we'd have grace awakenings, that we would go to serve you and to follow you and to glorify you knowing that we are not earning anything. We're just responding in gratitude to live for your glory because of your marvelous grace in the finished work of Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would help us all to be over on a gospel foundation in the gospel tent and over our lives would be a medallion that says, it is finished that we would live a life that glorifies you, a life of faith, trusting in you that leads to obedience, knowing that the basis is always faith and trusting in the work of Christ. For your glory and our joy, in Jesus' name, Lord, deepen the gospel in our lives. Amen. Amen. For the benediction tonight. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And as you follow him in faith, may he give you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's have a great week walking in faith, following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.